want to show with this guy, man. I'm kidding you, man. Shaggy the airhead. On the beat. What the fuck is wrong with this guy, man? I'm kidding you, man. Well, fuck. That means that we're going, right? That, hey, hey, yeah. Oh, hey, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, my name is Mad Max, and that's Revan Television, and that is Beastmaster, and we are live in the fucking house, my house, for the uh, 21st episode and final episode of the year for the Carnival Grounds. And uh, I can't believe that we made 21 episodes this year. Like, yeah, we actually did this shit. Yeah, like, I'm stoked crazy. on that. Uh, we started, I think, right after the gathering, right? I have no idea. Yeah, I, no, I know, honestly. right? No, I, I don't really... Behind the scenes, my life is absolutely fucking chaotic, and uh, this is like my little solace real, real quick here. Hey, I'm kind of glad to hear that, man. Like, I mean, shit, at least it's not too to chaotic, kinda... but it's, uh, oh, no, it's just bro, busy. It's, it's, no, you know... absolutely, but I mean, it is good that we're able to, once a week or so, be able to get together and just kind of like drain the fucking fluids a little bit yeah and like talking about juggalo shit is good i was talking about somebody about this earlier the uh the ball is on the boat uh which i went to uh just the other day it was a good experience but i'm gonna tell you some people you know the vibe was good some people the vibe was off before getting on the boat i feel like i heard somebody say the words restraining order so i don't know what that was all about but that is so on par with oh, Juggalo I, shit. Oh, what are you, you talking about? No, I, that yeah, means the vibes, the vibes are on correctly. I didn't if say that is, those um... vibes were off. I was saying that some people, the vibe was good. And some people were not. As far as I remember, those people who said that shit didn't end up getting on the boat <laughs> or the second boat. And this is the best part about it is that apparently the second boat was better, which I never would have known about because I'd have never gotten on that second fucking boat. There, I would have never in a million years would have been like, yes, I'm going to get on that second boat. That's going to be my plan. And then it turns out the second boat ends up being better. That's some quintessentially carnival shit. But the show was good. It was just so fucking hot inside and then windy and cold outside. It was just going back and forth and back and forth. Right. And fucking... It kind of made me sad because apparently the second set was also like the better set. Whereas the first set felt so like they did the Christmas songs obviously but and maybe I'm just spoiled here because when we you are spoiled and we're here to talk about Hell's Pit and TJ hasn't even introduced himself yet he's his kids going off on ballers look at it TJ's patiently waiting like oh, yeah okay I wonder when this will stop oh well, I'm well let me tell you this ballers on a boat probably uh sounds like the most magical thing in the world to anyone who wasn't yeah, there. Exactly. So fuck you. I'm trying to tell people about a magical experience. You just, you just granted. I love because Beastmaster is like do a cold open, so that's as cold as it gets, and then oh, yeah, hot and strong, right off topic. All right. Well, it's I mean, all right. It's, it's a good balance. You know, you, you've locked this episode in a time and space where everyone listening to it in the future knows when it took place, and and you know. That, that's how I live my life by major le- milestones and landmarks in the Juggalo world. Like for for example, Hell's Pit. I mean, I, I've been listening you. to every thank episode that you guys are doing. Look, you, you guys have talked about your your experiences coming up in the in this culture, and and oh, I've yeah. listened to every episode you've done and enjoyed hearing where you guys come because I know you guys. 
but I met you guys after Hell's Pit. So this is kind of like the last era before all of us came together, you know? Yeah, I, I'm, so I'm trying to think what the time frame was, because Hell's Pit was 2004, obviously. And so I gathered for the first time, as the not for the first time, I gathered in 2006, and that I think was your first time, you may have said. Yeah, the mud 2006, gathering, right. yeah. And... So, and no, and you want to know what it was the tail end of 2008. So, realistically, it was about five years, maybe four and a half, whatever it was, uh, between Hell's Pit and me getting out here. But my question, TJ, in your case, because I mean, you, you were always just kind of doing shit, but you didn't really do music, music until like, I think you said like 2007, 2008, right? No. Uh... Early the time, that, the, the timelines oh, are great. All right, my uh, hey, when I first started, I got to smoke weed all day, every day. Uh, my first group like thing I ever recorded was a completely terrible thing called Raise the Dead in 2002, and then I trashed that completely. That was when I was in high school, and then I first it came out as 50 Dead, and TJ texted me uh, a fucking sampler from back in the day these hand-drawn samplers i passed out around 2005 is when i uh okay first okay. like started passing out cds and recording it april 21st 2005 is when i started like locally passing out stuff and um and then shortly afterwards uh uh Bapo, um i met him and he was doing artwork and then i convinced him to do a cd cover for me and then what, what that, have, that like, I sent you the wrong image, but the the image that Bapo made, where he drew the skull with all the like shit, the mushrooms coming out of his eye. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I have that too. I just didn't have a scan of it. You have such a. I must have given you that, like, because I don't even think I met you in two thousand five, or maybe I did. No, no, no. My, you uh, didn't give it to me. You didn't give it to me. Bapo gave it to me because two thousand. Even that other one, even the hand drawn one with the skull, that was like the original. Well, I mean, I don't remember who gave it to me, but I used to party with y'all in the upper parking lot i, I remember in the upper parking lot uh, fuck yeah dude yeah yeah i was so uh, young me and dank were fucking little ass kids pretty much and tj tj would pass out dear joe and joey business i remember cards. when that shit came well so well but so here's the thing i thought that that came out when did you print out those business cards TJ? well no but the dear joe i just and correct me if i'm wrong here tj but i thought that dear joe and joey came out like right before i came out to massachusetts which would time it right around 2008 or 2009 no, that, that was a, a re-release. Um, oh, all right. That's what I'm saying. No, that came out. Uh, when did it come out? I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I, I wrote Dear Joe and Joey throughout the course of, like, from 99 to 2002. Like, when 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 the Wraith Shangri-La came out, because I, I basically had, like, 90% of the song written, but I was waiting for the sixth to come out to, to finish the song. Like the song was already in the works, but I wasn't gonna release a thank you letter to them until after they completed the, the that sixth. Is, that is such quintessential juggalo thinking. <laughs> like, I really love that of like, I'm writing this song because I appreciate what these guys did, but they haven't got there yet. So I can't finish yeah. the song uh -huh. yet either. Like I yeah. really, I love that. Again, that is that is quintessential so, so, thinking. At, at least for back then. 
<laughs> I thank you. From 2002 to 2004, the song was written, and I would only um, like perform it. I perform it. I would just rap it for friends live, like over the instrumental. Yeah, no, I heard. And, I don't think that I ever got to see it, but I'd heard about that. So, so 2004 is when I recorded it when it finally became an mp3 and then it didn't even go on the internet until like another year later and so that's when i made the business card so 2005 is probably when the business cards 2005 we all basically started rapping like right around the same time and that's like roughly that's why i uh i said to dj earlier he's like he kind of wanted to know what i was going to talk about what we were going to talk about and stuff and like Obviously, we'll talk about the album, but like I, because you would talk to me about how I made the comment about ABK is the prototype oh Juggalo my rap. God. I don't know no, if you heard listen. that hot take I said. No, I did. Yeah. I, I heard that. I mean, yeah, I no. said, oh shit, I can do that. So this was that the, all it takes? This was the era where everybody, like, from like two, everybody realized that in 2003 and then spent a year recording their demos <laughs> and then had the Hell's Pit tour well, pretty much. But there like, was also the gathering started happening then, and back then, the MC contests were like super important. It's not uh, like it guys, is. Fat, which, guys, which is, the, by the uh, way, not to say, and I, I'm sorry to cut you off, DJ. Which is not to say that the MC contests are not still important. They still get to do the cypher videos and like you get spotlighted as a thing. But back then it was basically like V Sinister was supposed to get fucking signed to psychopaths. Well the platforms were you know such the, the platforms were such so smaller. You know what I mean? Like like in that world where there was right. like there was one fuck like there was <coughs> Fat Whack. You know what I mean? Like I remember Fat Whack is where the first Mad Max track was. That's all. See, and I got fat, but only just, not enough for it to be like, oh yeah, this guy's shit. So I think that's why I didn't fucking you know, become a thing. But I, well, I it was the, it was the time of the underground psychos contest. Like that, that's when EMB yep. got the contract. And if you think yeah, about well, it, the way they did that contest was everyone could submit, and then everyone's got the critique, and they even posted. Like every artist like wrote their review and you could read what everyone thought about all the contestants and you know, I, I remember oh, that uh Oh I submitted. I, I remember that bro, I remember that shit for sure. My whole problem at the time, quite frankly, was I just did not have enough music to like that was the whole thing. One of the things we talked about when I got flown out there was that like I needed to make more shit. And back then, recording tracks was not as easy as it as it is now, so fucking I just it, it didn't sync up for me. And I really think that it's funny considering that like it was between A and B and Players Lounge crew, if we recall, and I mean bro, at this point, like we all know that A and B was paying people for votes. Right. And even if not that, psychopathic may have even just been like, these guys don't fit. What, DLC don't make sense. Some of the highlight highlighted artists that I remember though would be Jay Reno. He definitely got like major props. Oh out no, of I that, love him. He was my favorite. No, that's he ended up being one of the main talks. And uh, Too Dirt. Do you remember Too Dirt or Too Dirty? Whatever I the fuck know, his name I was. He was. Uh, Look, he was, besides besides the actual context that AMB won, they also uh, put out the Tunnel Runners, and and yeah. so the Tunnel Runners album, you know, kind of. Uh, like I think I think the juggalos in the crowd back then, everyone kind of who had an inkling to rap, like myself, was very motivated by seeing. Oh, now there's a an entry point. Now there's an uh, like 
like they may sign the next good rapper. That could be me. So there you're was, right. Everyone oh no, had. There was it was definitely. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just agreeing with you. It was definitely yeah. a uh, fucking atmosphere of like they want to sign somebody else. They want to like pick up somebody dope. One could say that uh, mindset has never left, and there's still so many. And, and well, in, oh, instead no, of in the, in the I, culture, I, I still see instead of like face paint. Now I see face painted mask rapper people. You know what I mean? Like the prototype. Oh, and, and face tattoos people. Yeah, well, it, it's like. Well, just because, that, you know, that's because Ouija Mac did it, yeah. now a lot of those people are trying to do like a very similar thing where it's like, it's inevitable. It's going to happen that way. Like there's nothing you can do about it. But it really does, like, it, it's a product of seeing it like take these turns and then you realize like the big thing with the juggalo scene is that you can basically just the amount of people that i've seen that just show up and get a fucking set people get booked for the for fucking for shows it's like who the fuck are these people you've never heard of them and then at the end of the day you always can tell who is like who they know and who they're like working with and who's paying to play like it's always it's pretty obvious. Yeah. In most cases, and it's like back. I really think about this. Back in the Hell's Pit days, that shit didn't happen. Filthy immigrants didn't fucking pay to play on the fucking Hell's Pit tour. We don't know that. Well, you know what? Okay. Probably not. But they pro- they probably got paid like five hundred bucks or something. This is what I was gonna say. Remember the- how much did Tech famously get paid for? Like five hundred a night on the Wicked Wonka tour. There was some I number honestly, they threw out there where it was like exactly how much it was it definitely was, a but... working man's number. Oh no, for, for like sure. for a highly visible tour that he was built oh, no, pretty sure. significantly on. Well, but this is all. Know? And well, I'm no. not not saying he, they were undercutting him. That was probably what his value was at the time. You know. Oh what no, I mean? for sure. Like, but this is also, by the way, why Tech Nine has in many different situations very clearly been like, ain't nobody gonna fucking tell me nothing about how I done it with because I did the work. Yeah, because he also un- understood the long, two things, the longevity and also like, oh, this is my people. Like, I got rejected here, 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 and these guys are going, these people are going fucking nuts for it. I'll take 500 a night. I'll be making fucking 50 grand fucking a night in 10 years, you know? Yeah, and is, he did. Oh, you yeah. know, like, and so... More. And you want to know what? And this was that era. This was around the time. This yes, was when Angelic... So many albums I also, like, because I know we're going to talk, hopefully, we might not even talk about the album, because I've thought about so many albums that came out in 2004, and I'm pretty sure Angelic is one, and then you got two huge ones in my world, and then also in the underground world. What's absolute wrong? Power had it, it was Angelic. Oh, was it absolute, uh, absolute Power? power even fucking more influential. No, I know. Even no, I know. more influential. And then also in the East Coast, both came out this year. What's wrong with Bill and fucking the prefix for death? Oh, shit. And that's when both of those, like, yo, the the underground and I think Cage's fucking album, Movies of the Blind, I think, had just oh, come no out shit. around that All time. Right. Like, well, but so within that time period, and by the way, had, listening to Hell's Pit today, it really did, I gotta tell you, because I haven't listened to it in a while, and I realized why. It, it When you listen to the whole album and you really think about it, take it in it is very unsettling and upsetting it's, it's super not, it's super dark it's, man. no and not even and not even just dark but it's also just like 
again, something just off-putting about it. I think it's it feels... this. It's several iterations of what hell could be. Like, here's a physical place every day I die. You're walking through hell. Here's some demons and shit. Here's what hell is. I'm truly alone. You right. know what I oh, mean? Yeah. Like, fucking so many different ways. His, his sleep paralysis every night. The witch. You know what I mean? Like, his mental illness. Sedatives. It shows you such real things and also personal pieces of their life. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like, the obsession with women that Jay always has and Shaggy's, like, fucking never-ending. No, you want to know one thing that like... I remembered from the, uh, that I just, I didn't think that much about it when I listened to the album when I was a kid. But in uh, Suicide Hotline, in the third hook, where he's like, okay. And I just, now that I'm a little bit older, and specifically dealing with mentally ill people where it's like, that like that fucking inflection specifically. Okay. Just fucking, like, you're so frustrated because you know that you're being rational and you know that you're being as kind as possible and this person just doesn't want to get it. Yeah. And, like, it really is crazy that this album was so effective at creating this sense of fucking dread. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it really just... And especially with, like, uh, Crooked Preacher Killers is another one where I remember that was... You know who did a lot of production on this one? Was Mike P. And Esham, the motherfucking unholy. Oh, Esham did production on this album. Hell I yeah. did not know that. Fucking TJ's a wizard. Tell, tell us about it. Didn't didn't Esham do production on uh, Hell's Fifth? Yeah, and, and he was signed to the label at the time. And, well, I remember know, that. Like, so this is... This is that window of time when they had like psychopathic all stars, like everybody except ICP on the road. Oh, and I, yo, I was that psychopathic all stars. I haven't heard that name in a fucking in, in yo, a decade. That was like the second show I think I went to, and it was remember TJ in in Worcester. It was in a snowstorm. Remember I, that? I didn't attend it. I didn't. Attend Nobody it. did. Um, it was all yeah. It was all <laughs> all young kids like us. Like well, so who like, is so psychopathic all stars? It was I jump that steady. Like, yes. Uh, Lavelle and was his hype man, and then Esham headlined. I think ABK and I don't know, fucking Tom Dub, fucking playing a tambourine. They got they fucking Tom they fucking they, they got whoever they could, dude. Fucking up oh there. my lord, no, oh, see, I remember that shit. I hadn't thought about that in so long. I, I forgot I about that. that. I was at that. Yo, I remember seeing in the line outside in the in a snowstorm. Dank's passing out Met Ninjas CDs, and this <laughs> guy bad. got knocked out. This little skinny man with no shirt on in a snowstorm got knocked out by a woman that was at least 300 pounds. And uh, somebody was filming it with one of those old video cameras with the microphone you know, sticking out. You know what I mean? Like yeah, boom mic. And, and even for 2004 <laughs> or five, that was still like a bit like are you getting me with the fucking with the VHS boom mic, but. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that fucking yeah. That, and that I, I want. I want to say like in this time period, I was kind of out of the loop. I wasn't attending gatherings. I didn't attend uh, the Hell's Pit tour. I didn't go to the psychopathic all. Like I had graduated college and I was out in the world trying to, you know, make something of myself. And I really did. Uh, did not not like there was something to be a part like there was no social media at this time so there was nothing to lock me into well, anything I had... wanted, well no but so you want to know what interesting story although 
there was not social media, so to speak, like what we have now. It certainly did not, it doesn't exist the way that it does. But what I will say, uh, ever since I was in high school, since the internet existed, there have always been uh, message boards, chat. Yeah, I know the message I boards don't... that existed, I was not like a, a daily, weekly, you know what I mean? All I wasn't right. participating in those reindeer right. games at that time. Okay. I'm telling you, I was disconnected from all of it at right. this time. That's just yeah. a period. Like, because at, by the time Bizarre Bizarre came out, and, and they did the Bizarre Bizarre tours. Yeah. I've seen ICP like thousand times already. I looked at my notes and um and then by the time the Wraith came out and, and it was the Diamonds Reigning era, I attended all that shit, the Hatchet Rising tour. Um but but then I graduated and, and I was out on my like literally like living on my own, like out of the nest, like you know, trying to hustle and ICP's hustle inspired me to like not in a musical way but in a in a grind like get up and grind and make something of yourself type of way like very influential to me like looking at what they had done and 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 dear joe and joey wasn't my entry point to be a rapper it was just me and a passion project for my high interest area at the time. Uh, it wasn't until I performed at the gathering in 07 that I got the bug where I was like, oh fuck, I want to do more of this. And that's when I started rapping. And you know, that's when I joined the, the high town crew because that way I could do shows, you know what I mean? Motherfucker, what about Wicked Clown Liquid? W Wicked Clown Liquid was, um, it was my friend who who produced Dear Joe and Joey. He's a DJ, and he made Wicked Clown Liquid. I, I gave him all the samples and DVDs and audio, and, and he made that, and then we uh, pressed them up and were handing them out at shows, you know, at, 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 at Gathering and at, at Worcester shows. And um, that, that is such a badass mixtape, dude. It really is yeah. the that, shit. That, that's that, that's, did you ever that's, read, fa did you ever? that's faintly ringing a bell. I don't like, know if I remember it specifically. The fucking the, the samples that you curated were fucking smashing, and they were all like obscure interviews. And then fucking B DJ did like a cover of First Day Out, I think, and shit. Like, I mean, it, it, again, that was Ripper's cover, but I, I joined him on it. Yeah, I, I guess I am on that song. Yeah, so that's <laughs> why I'm trying to tell you, like, objectively, like, yeah, bro, you were a juggalo rapper. Like, yeah. do it. Like, oh, no, and listen, you made by a mixtape, you know, know like, And I want you to know, I give you respect for the fact that you were always very forthcoming about that from the very beginning. And I took like 20 years to get to the point where I was able to openly be like, yeah, no, I'm a juggalo rapper. That's like, for whatever it's worth, that's what I am and that's what I do. But one way or another, I really, I do remember that shit hearing it uh, when I had come out here. And that's interesting. I didn't know that it was a re-release at the time. However, um, I remember people like, you know, going hard for it and like uh, people, and I, I remember I haven't heard it in such a long time, but I Max, do I'm gonna blow I'm gonna blow your mind, Max. I'm gonna tell you something, okay? Because okay. this is this is the timeline that I remember. Dear right. Joe and Joey Dear Joe and Joey lived on MySpace and within two years it got over fifty thousand plays. So for me, not not having any other music, albums, no no experience, just just the song itself 
made me a magnet for juggalos and, and juggalos would come to me and come to my page and fill my my or you know leave their comments and max you hit me up you 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 slid in my dms and complimented me on the song just a ninja you, you basically were like i've never heard anybody rap about juggalo shit that didn't sound like they were dick riding or, or coattail riding or whatever and i was like holy shit because i actually knew who you were and you were my favorite underground rapper and i'm like oh my god my favorite underground rapper just gave me props on the fucking juggalo fucking tribute song like <laughs> i will no because not for nothing man that was like the main thing with me coming out here or being involved in anything out here which you were the first person to do for sure verified you brought me out for my first show in massachusetts that's fact um fucking i was not about to start working with a bunch of people that just couldn't fucking rap because i came from new jersey new york area that's the whole thing if you can't rap like back then you couldn't suck at rapping and and still rap like you can do that now. Back then you couldn't do that. And so you, yeah. you could in Massachusetts though at that time. Okay, so here's the problem. Here's the problem. As I say, there's a whole timeline that actually is crowded from that. Didn't really I love have, DJ. DJ's the Massachusetts shit. did not really have a solid hip hop scene at the time. Right. There was only a couple of people doing it, and the people that were doing it moved out of the state out of to do it. So that's no, Mass has had a dope hip hop scene the whole yeah, time. It's just it's, it's always like been. At a bare it was never, and also slain at no, OG. Of course, I said at a bare minimum. There's just never been a cohesive scene, really. There's the Middle East, and then there was like a small juggalo scene that like kind of still lives on today, like like on life support. It's mostly in Ma- it's in Manchester and fucking yeah, Rhode the, Island, you know. Well, and what's the, I mean, the Raven for sure. The Ra- yeah, the Raven, yeah. I haven't been to those shows. How, how, how have those shows Yeah, been? on life support. It's, it's an app description. Thank you, yeah. So, but there was a time. Like nobody was fucking debating that. Yeah, there was a time, but uh, here's the thing about having a thriving ecosystem like that. You need a substrate of bad rappers to, for people, for the bet, for the people coming up yeah. to feed on. Because like, it came to a point talking about the Juggalo rapper scene, and then TJ led into this by saying like, "Yeah, there's actually, there's actually a lot of bad rappers," because like, with High Town, it's been so long now. I can say the story candidly. Like, yeah. Loco wanted to beat me up and shit because oh, yeah. I fucking was talking reality i was like bro yeah they're not all good you know and then like that was like fucking the cardinal sin to be like yeah i don't think and then i told jay nice and asinine like yeah you're both awesome but i don't think you can rap and then they were like yeah you're right because like yeah they were much more objective yeah because they're not they weren't rappers here's the problem and then they were gonna what beat me up because i was like an actual rapper like being like yeah dude like i really rap you know i think the reality of the situation is that it became very clear that if you were able to throw a decent party it didn't matter if you could rap or not and drew could rap well enough that the fact that brandon couldn't rap which by the way he openly admitted all the time he always was like i'm not that good at rapping so to the fact that he wanted to continue to try that much to do it 
anybody's well, guess. I think, but I think I'm, gonna, I'm gonna interject here because because honestly, this is a conversation for the Tempest era. You know what I mean? Like you know, well, yeah, you are, yeah, you're very true. Maybe, yeah. I was gonna say, I wasn't out here for that. I was out here for after that. I was out here for the bang. I know, but we're talking about Hell's Pit, which I think this era was like like you said before. Everyone in their in their cousin, I was gonna say everyone in their grandmother, but all the youngins wanted to rap like they're fucking yeah. heroes. And and if you yeah. say ABK was the prototype juggalo rapper, I will I will see that and raise it and say twisted were the prototype juggalo rappers. I will because... agree with that because when I was a kid, I didn't even want to listen to Twisted for fucking the first few years because I was like, who is this fucking like carbon copy over like i didn't listen to the music at all though i only listened to their features on icp albums right and they still didn't they still had their own sound but they were very pointed towards like juggalo 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 and i wasn't like fucking i've said it multiple times on the series like i, I didn't not that i didn't believe it but i didn't feel that until i was like immersed in it you know what i mean like i gotta be honest so. it's funny at the, the, at the time I didn't know about Twisted, and then I knew about Twisted, and then I was all about Twisted. Because I've said this a bunch of times, I was living in a world where, again, lyricism was fucking of, uh, of the utmost importance. And you can't spit fucking ICP bars to, like, hip-hop heads and have them be like, oh, it doesn't work You like know that. why I am so more into Esham, I think? Because Esham... He does have some of that shit, especially from Closed Cast. Well, like, I'm, to say what I'm saying, there's motherfuckers who put my friend Mock onto ICP, who was, like... ICP came from a couple different directions, and those were more, like, the street, like, motherfuckers from right. Southie. Like, they were, like showed me that and then repentance came out and i had known isham through like random downloaded tracks from like judgment day like right, right, right. booming words from hell just randoms and then they bought repentance because they like had a little signage for it in, in the stores they really pushed that out in a little right. bit which also came out around this time 2003 um so i feel like that was my paw and where i came from well like you know what i'm saying like so i was like more following that like you know not us isham that and then again twisted it just seemed in genuine with the face paint and then once i listened to it it was really like i said multiple times like the weed smoking shit where some people were like how do you listen to icp smoke weed and not like twisted and then green book came out and then fucking i think a lot of people who are on the fence with twisted no, I, oh, no, listen to green book listen, and then fucking not for nothing i'm pretty sure and i could be wrong about this but i'm trying to think based on because i was listening to icp since 97 and then i remember distinctly a period where i feel like i stopped listening to them for a while because the album came out and i just didn't hear that much about it i was still a kid and then before I went to go to Woodward Skate Camp for a summer, fucking, uh, I got to pick a CD and uh, I went in, there was a fucking uh, stand up for Jekyll Brothers. And so once I heard that, I was like fucking back in. And after that was Bizarre Bizarre, which then was my first show. And so, you know, fucking off you go. But, excuse me, it was definitely, an era where like it definitely I, I we've said this a thousand times but behind the paint was right around hell's pit era like right around that time yeah and so in that book again it's it is there was the blueprint like hey guess what this is all you got to do making songs ain't hard making flyers ain't hard 
just get out there and fucking do it. Yeah, and this was the tour where I, uh, this is my first ICP concert was this tour 2004. I actually fucking... followed ICP for, I did New Jersey and I don't think Worcester, which is fucking depressing, but then I did go down to uh, Atlanta and saw them at the masquerade and there was a fucking underground there was a backyard wrestling match in the there was like a big grass area outside like they basically the inside of the venue was just a place to have a juggalo party like it was the craziest shit i apparently that day but do not recall I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna say this because I, I i've heard you guys talk a lot about i mean obviously i'm from your area and and recognize the the um, intensity of the New England Juggalo scene and and how oh, yeah. Worcester Worcester and the Palladium specifically has been that spot for so many years. But I I just want to remind you that um, it, it did start around this time because before Hell's Pit there was they weren't doing shows at the Palladium prior to that. Shows were in Boston. Shows were in Rhode Island. Like, I mean, I have the ticket stubs to prove it. They started doing Palladium shows around that time. You know, I mean, maybe maybe it was like the Hand Ride Tour was, was maybe obviously 2002. But I'm saying at that point, I had been to a dozen ICP shows. None of them were at the Palladium. You know, and that's talk about the I 90s. So, wow, that's amazing. That that's the begin. That's the beginning of a fucking. I will. So era, that's right interesting. There. I you want to know what I would have? I have to imagine that show was that... so. Neither of you were there. It was sold the fuck out. What show was that? Hell's Pit. Oh, I fucking yeah. sold the yeah, fuck I out, it. dude. I remember the time when ICP was selling out the Palladium, the man. Mo- yo, around the fucking block, and the, it was oh, mosh pit. Let me, let me, let me tell you to it this way: when, when I, when I knew ICP was coming around prior to Hell's Pit, like prior to the the sixth, and and you know, I, I would just go to the show and and buy the ticket at the door and go into the show. Uh, the the um. The one you were just talking about with Tech Nine, the the w- Wicked Wonka tour, right? Yeah, that that was the first time I showed up at the venue, and the show was sold out, and I was asked out because I didn't buy a ticket ahead of time, and there was no way I could have anticipated that because I had been to a dozen ICP shows, just walking right up and walking right in, and all of a sudden they had hit a a, a pinnacle of being so popular that I, that well, it sold out. And also, it's not only just that, but they were fucking the Wicked Wonka tour. If memory serves, was Insane Clown Posse, Bone Thugs and Harmony, Techno, yeah, yeah, I know, Cottonmouth, I King. know. That's yeah, and that's why it sold out. Pinnacle of popularity or not, that's so many different fan bases all converging at once. Like, yeah, no, but it was all on the heels. One of those shows, and I'm salty. That, that would have been fucking. That's fine. A, that also is a fan base that I'm like undervaluing in this conversation. Is uh, the Cottonmouth King fan base? Oh yeah, in oh two, for sure. In 2004. They were selling out shows, but they didn't play the. They weren't playing the Palladium yet. Cottonmouth Kings was playing the Avalon in the same venues that like TJ's talking about the Boston venues in Rhode Island, Lupo's, all that because they weren't there yet. Right. By 2004, 
yeah, they had see, a. That, they, I like, want to know what my thing is, and because, I, I, because like, the ICP, I mean, Mac Ten was on the Hell's Pit tour, but that was. like, he, but I don't think that you know, two thousand four. I don't think Mac Ten was like pushing it over to. You know what I well, mean? Well, Mac Ten certainly wasn't like at the peak of his fucking relevance. That's what I'm that's saying. Sure. Yeah, that was. A, I, you know what was funny is still verified. Uh, um, fucking, and he did a cover of Chicken Hunting actually. Yes, he did. Yo, and um, uh, the Chicken Hawk had to go Chicken Hunt without me. Yo, uh, <laughs> it, remember Mushroom Head was supposed to be on that tour, yes. and they dropped off. And then there was one couple so pissed, I'll never forget those like. Uh, like a two two thousand whatever juggalos going nuts, and then two metalhead like black lipstick fucking bald matching bald heads like fucking. Eh, I came for a mushroom head like. Oh, uh, I remember mushroom head played fucking rock the ink. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> rock the ink. Head planet Earth also. Yo, yo, I got this lotus tattoo at Rock the Ink when and right before we opened up. For mushroom head that no, day. Uh, that's fantastic. Yes, we did. That's crazy. Yes, we did open up that. That, that was that was rock the ink, bro. I I, I scheduled my tattoo appointment. We wrapped, and then I got the tattoo after the set. <laughs> that's so Fuck dope, yeah, man. That's like dope. right in between our set and mushroom head. I remember that shit. I had never. That, seen that was a high town fucking medley. <laughs> What a wild fucking ride, man. Yeah. And you want to know what? Hell's Pit definitely around that era for sure. A lot of the people that would be considered OG Juggalo rappers, no bullshit. Like, they all came out this time. Right around 2004, 5, 6, 7. Yeah, really. I remember uh, Fury and Cryptic and all them. Yep, like, DRK. Fucking, yeah, I remember hearing Fury's. Uh, yeah, DVA was a little late though. That, was, bit, like, that yeah. was more around my era when I came out here. I'm right, just saying. Yeah. No, the original, like, the original first Juggalo collective rap group that I remember before Cryptic, because then DRK was the first, like, ones booking shows, right. was um, Purgatory Bound. Oh, they yeah, had, I just they, say that, man. Purgatory I, Bound I, I had all. Huh? Yeah. I, I remember seeing Purgatory Bound like CDs or fly. You know what I mean? Like you they saw their a, promotion out they there. They promoted you know? like a motherfucker, and there was oh yeah, you know. Oh no, a, for like, sure. No, listen, let's be clear. Bogus Trizzy went fucking hard for a long oh, yeah, time. Yeah, and then he had a kid, and now he's you know living a dad life. He's doing his thing. He's doing good as far as I know. But um, oh yeah, no, he definitely was. He and here's the thing. I got to be honest. Whether or not anybody liked him, because he was pretty fucking ridiculous at times. That motherfucker was a juggalo rapper to the nines. Like, for real, me? Yeah. for real, for real. No, I obviously, like, yeah. He, I'm just uh, saying, like, call it, call a spade a spade. I want to, I want to say that I remember seeing him showing up at a Mirror Mirror in store in 2002, and he was wearing a psychopathic leather. So it was like the first yeah. time I ever saw a juggalo wearing a leather jacket with red hatchetman on it. And it was, of course, like three sizes too big for him. And Whoa. he had like, he had, and he was just like flossing. And I'm like, wow, that's how later what I, I, I like, I see juggalos at a million shows 
And then like four or five years later, I see them rapping. I'm like, oh, I recognize that juggalo. You're rapping. Like, you know, and that happened to everybody. Like, yeah, I, I know. Oh, that, that's happened. How many times has that happened at this point? Jesus Christ. Just somebody you know from shows and then suddenly like, what the fuck? What did you Like, do? for example, right. Wayne the Pain. I, I, I seen Wayne the Pain in the pit a million times. And then when I started partying with y'all in the upper parking lot, and that started in 05, the, 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 the person, the linchpin to me even friending y'all was Bapo because oh, I yeah, met Bapo. Bapo. I've always called Bapo the human magnet. He brings yeah, people so this, from check all it the out. Bapo is like Kevin Bacon. Curse me out. Dude, Bop, Bapo is like the Kevin Bacon. Like, if if you don't know Bapo, you know someone who knows Bapo, or, yeah. or you know someone who knows someone no, who knows Bapo. Yeah. You want to know what? The truth. Fucking, I have said this before. A lot of the times at the gathering, um, one of my favorite games to play is how far can I walk before somebody stops me and says they know me. And I thought that I was good at that game until I tried to walk somewhere the Bapo and it's just like fucking how and the fact how do you maintain that many because he remembers everybody like how do you know that many fucking people it's insane yeah like yo it's because it's because Bapo when I first met Bapo I was dude, at, I'm just saying dude like, shout out to Bapo he'll never big, he'll uh, never see this out. but fucking look, look I'm wearing this shirt right he's now wearing dead canvas, he's wearing a oh, Bapo yeah, right yeah, now yeah, dead canvas for the fucking I, yeah, I rock with those motherfuckers so hard that's bro. an original yo, Bapo that he's wearing I right believe now. it Yo, check this out. Check this out. I was at the I was at my first gathering in 2001, okay? And I'm in Peoria, I'm sorry, I'm in Toledo, Ohio, okay? And I just happened to be like standing there and I hear this kid going, "Oh, I'm from Massachusetts." And he's talking to someone else, right? So I, I just walked up to him and like, "Hey, I'm from Massachusetts." It was Bapo with his little short dreads, little short dreads in 2002. No! <laughs> Yo, and you see that? See that skull design? He's always done where Bapo started. He was also like in my like in Plymouth. He was one of the coolest like motherfuckers, obviously in the town. You know what I mean? He did sculptures and artwork. And it was Juggalo based, and I was a young Juggalo rapper. So it's very much like hip hop in so many ways. And that's yeah. why I think hip hop historians appreciate this world because that artwork encouraged me more like, oh, this is something I can do. And then eventually, like TJ knows, like I asked him, can you do artwork for me? Because I was fucking hand drawing my shit. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And like that, Bapo's not alone. There's like oh, so many artists that like. No, listen, I think I a thousand percent agree. And I also absolutely believe around the Hell's Pit era was when the gatherings started to be outdoors and really started to proliferate. And that was when all the artists really started coming together and being like, yo, let's start fucking doing shit. And that is one of absolutely one. I literally was just having this thought in my own mind. Is absolutely one of the best parts of Juggalo culture is that there are so many good fucking artists. In yeah, it. it's crazy. Like of different kinds, music and 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 visual art. 
Dude, even even fucking, the, even the fucking movie I'm making, T. Say that the director fucking... the director of the movie that I'm making didn't know this, but like when we first like started working together, is a juggalo with an ABK tattoo. Remember? And then when we were in the yeah. studio filming the fucking bro, thing, and no, and I said this because the dude out. that I work with has an ABK tattoo, yeah. and the fact of the matter is that an ABK tattoo that means you were gay yeah, yeah. deep. <laughs> you were. You in might this one shit. could say you might be gang related. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, you want to know Yo, what? Man? It's so funny to me because the Hell's Pit era where... It's funny because, TJ, I, I absolutely respect the fact, I want you to know, that you were not as into it because you were busy in college at the time. I love how he doesn't even say that he was a Juggalo rapper and he put out a fucking hugely influential song, Did Joe and Joey, and then also put out a banging Juggalo mixtape, Wicked Clown Liquid. Like, yeah, like, and, the, and here's the thing. The main thing is that the fact that it was done at all, whether or not it was this, like, heavily well-received thing, which, by the way, it sounds like it was reasonably well-received, Yo, 50,000 streams and like the, the yeah, fact like, that it was done that's decent. and the fact that it was there and that it is a thing that can be referenced and be like this shit happened that is absolutely influ influential to the culture of juggalo rap just period because again for me back then we and I'm not saying this in a negative way towards you at all but we've discussed this a lot of times that back then, if you were a rapper, talking juggalo shit on your tracks was kind of looked at like it was corn. Yeah. Like you were trying a dick ride. And obviously, having the, the we discussed this already, where I had reached out to you, because I do remember that. I a thousand percent remember yeah, Tracy and Cracker putting me onto your shit and then me listening to it and then being like, yeah, this guy is like on some genuine shit. He's not like trying to be some. Oh, I'm a dope fucking murderer juggalo rapper. Like, he's no, I'm just, I'm a juggalo. I'm just doing my thing. Also it wasn't, I wasn't trying to be ICP. It was more influenced exactly. by like Weird exactly. Al Yankovic, where, where he makes a song that's like influenced by an artist, but right. it's, you know what I mean? Like, um, bro, Derek said this once. And I honestly think that if somebody can find a way to do it, it would be insanely fucking popular. What? Is like saying clown posse. Oh. Like some kind of like flip on it. Like, cause it really is that big of a thing in the culture where it could be parodied in a way where you know that's there's a, what you're there's a about. group that uh, is parodying the six cards right now. I forget their Whack. name. Yeah, there it is. What? Whack. Whack. Yeah, break it, it, look break it up, it. man. Oh, they, they got wait, wait, mad wait, 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 fucking I've seen that. Yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. Like, they, they, they got mad parody. Oh, no. And there's, a, no, and there's another dude, 666 Cops, that's doing it, that did a whole thing where he's done his own rendition of the Six Jokers cards where he's made videos where it references, like, like it is the Six Jokers cards. And then... Do you guys remember, oh, you guys remember the diss track that came out um, right after, right after, uh, it was before the Six Jokers card came out, but it was after they leaked, uh, not leaked, but you know, they released the first singles. And so Homies was one of the first singles. And there were these juggalos that got a hold of the instrumental for Homies, and they made a fucking diss track to Mike P called Joe Phony. 
It was like Juggalo phony, phony, no, you ain't I... Mikey Clark. <laughs> what? No, that's I so do, silly. No, you know what? I do not remember that, but I do remember. That's hilarious. That was, I do remember the Holden, the Holden Caulfield from remix. way back in the day, and I don't know who did it. But it was these dudes who I don't know why the fuck they thought they needed to do this, but there was uh, the hook was like for all the juggalos out there throwing forks up and down, throwing your middle fingers up, say fuck the clowns. I remember that specifically. And the shit was garbage, like it was ridiculous. But I think what he said, he said something about like having a thousand more fans, which I guess that means I'd have a thousand and two. I don't know. What? Yeah. Uh, it's fucking, it was really bad. And they, here's the thing. Nobody was going to do that shit other than Eminem because they had their whole thing for a bit. Because realistically, ICP was constantly in the news for punching people in the face. Yeah. So like, not a good guy, not a group of guys to fucking start dissing on the track. Because they're like, no, we'll just fucking come where you hang out. No. Beat you like, there was much more like that back then. Like Waffle House. Too. I like I like the I like the idea that um you know in 2004, with, with with everyone who was down with the clown prior to the six Joker's card, waiting for the sixth was a vibe, you know, and so, you know, the anticipation for it 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 really can't be explained to any young juggalo what it was like to be a juggalo before the six came out, you know, because um because it was like. You know, it's it's sort of maybe similar to like being a fan of a franchise where you know there are more movies in the pipeline, and so each movie is a chapter, each Joker's card is a chapter, and you knew you were in it for the long haul because you knew there were further right. chapters. But when it but when it came to Hell's Pit, that was the final chapter. It was the the second part of the sixth Joker's card, and I think just to bring it back to that album. It was very obvious to everyone that it was the end of an era. So even ICP got a little sentimental, like with Underground Baby, where they did the whole medley of all the. No, I stars. know that was. I you know, and it's funny because I feel like I didn't totally get it back then. I remember having a conversation with some people about it. Like, felt contrived a bit. A and and here's the thing though. But it's not it, in retrospect. In, exactly. In retrospect, it was actually really, really important. Yeah. It was like this was all of these things where all of these albums carved this very specific path. Like it all happened in this way where it all led to this one fucking moment. And I used to say this back then. It didn't make sense to me why they ended in hell. Why did you end in hell? Why would you want to end in hell? And I, it, I had to get older and kind of look back and finally realize, like, for the fact that it was the end of time and that this whole thing, it, it was going to be done and that we were just going to have to fucking figure it out. I think for a like, lesson in morality, which seems like was the overarching goal, it's perfect. It's best to leave on, like, that kind of note. So then it's true self-reflection. It's funny you would You're say, not coddled into fucking thing. You're like, oh, shit, I might... You know. I, ha I thought about this today listening to the album that I, I hadn't really thought about this because really think about it. The last song is Real Underground Baby, sure. But... What's the last song it's on Manic the album? Depressive, dude. Yeah, yeah that's that the real me, last song. No, and no, and which by the way, that's that's what I'm saying. 
Like I really thought about that today. Like that to me is really the that's the devil of just I don't even want to try. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. Like whatever. And that's where they both had been, dude. You know no, what I, I mean? Dude, by I that by, by, by that shit. point, Shaggy had been in and out of fucking rehabs, Jay in and out of psych wards, jails and shit. Well, yeah. I don't know how often Shaggy went to jail. Uh, I think fairly he, often because well, I remember no, he him. Got, he, right, he, I remember because he. he, he I remember whatever year fucking him talking about uh, in like the early 2000s about uh, getting in trouble for beating somebody up because someone stole Trey Pounds equipment in like yeah so no I heard about that well into you know what I mean like I remember I, I could be wrong but I feel like you put a gun in that guy's mouth and that's very much possible you know you like, went to fucking jail for it yeah so it like in having friends especially listening you know how dark it is now when you have friends who've killed themselves and gone to jail and continue to go to jail and you know like it has a different fucking level of impact you know what i mean like because at the time i was 16 and i only knew like i thought of shades of my father and myself getting arrested for the first time when i was 16 and uh didn't know the true like you know i mean actually i had already had one friend commit suicide at that point you know so that's i did know a little bit but like that death like death is so strange when you're a kid you know what i mean like you fucking well, not only just death, but I think that, like, that level of life and society, like, not for nothing, there's only so many different kinds of populations of people that would be recognized in places like, let's say, the fucking penal, cop, penal system. Mm-hmm. And the idea that being a juggalo, that is one of these kinds of things where if you go in and you have tattoos and shit, they will mark it down. Yeah. And they'll be like, okay, so we're going to fucking, sometimes they'll put you in a gang unit. So it's like... It is crazy to me where back then, I really think about it, the Hell's Pit era was definitely still the era where, because I don't really think it's like this as much anymore, I really don't, but you, it genuinely, I did it a dozen times where you could go to different places, not know fucking nobody, but then have fucking hatchet gear and then find some juggalos and then boom, you are good. You are set. I don't think it's necessary, and here's the thing, I think that... I think it still exists. We're just in our fucking mid-30s, dude. No, but you want to know what? I think it's much more this. Because think about the way that it really happened with the sixth. Really think about this. ICP was pretty much at the peak of their popularity during Hell's Pit. And it came out. And when it came out, pretty much the rest of the world was like most juggalos were like oh fuck well all right that's it and then not too long after that is when the internet started to really become ubiquitous a lot of people did not get like i've seen this happen so many times in my life people they know what they know and they don't fucking know about nothing outside of that and i have met juggalos again the 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 homie mike he don't know fucking nothing about the scene he hasn't listened like he has listened to zero second deck jokers cards there are a lot of juggalos out there like that jay talks about it in the book like juggalos that i never seen a computer they just got the cds and hell's pit was on a cd shangri-la was on a cd i guarantee there are juggalos that have that shit and that's still how they listen to it like yeah, I, hey, I, I got to I got to interject, man, because sorry, I mean, I have too much to say and we don't have enough time. Um, 
what you just said reminds me that like in in the age of streaming and everyone looked at Spotify numbers or Apple Music numbers to quantify their success, you got to remember that ICP still sells physicals and they still have listeners that listen to CDs. So even though they are dominating in the way they dominate with their attention on online, they still have even more unknown. It's like the ocean. You don't know how deep it goes because you just don't know how many people are listening to the CDs they bought. So, you know what I mean? On top of streams. And also, if you look on Spotify, the number one most streamed song from ICP on Spotify is in my room from this album and obviously yeah. because of tiktok trends but still i find that kind of funny that that it is an a-, a song from this album and it's that song like <laughs> no i know Yo, i was a depressed 16 year old banging that song oh no so, i remember time, that i remember so loving that one i get time. that a thousand percent oh yeah Yo, i was gonna say that too about that song specifically this was one of the last out actually no that's a lie they are so rooted in like adolescent stories you know what i mean like forever like and i think they know that because like the entry point is like 13. they're making music for broken children like that's been (laughs) that should be the next icp shirt music for broken children Uh, what that's a thousand percent the truth in what way are you kidding me no that's true yeah because by the way Every single fucking album that they ever made had some situation where a kid was either in peril or in a fantasy world. Yeah. So, like, yeah. yeah. I think that they obviously... I don't think that... there's one album where that's not the case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's some of the best songs, like uh, Shimmer. I was just going to say uh, Shimmer. That because song I, is so fucking I, good. I almost said they stopped doing that, but I was like, no, that's actually not true. They still they no, have, like, from the Verily, very... yeah. Verily is haunting. I yeah. love that fucking song. Hell yeah. And I do look forward to getting into those albums but i do also want to do the calm and i believe it was the tempest before bang pow boom i want to do mighty death pop and then we'll do fucking tunnel of love again how about that (laughs) well look i'm just no obviously we're gonna do it in order motherfucker we need need the other thing that came to mind was um when i was at uh the 2002 gathering that's when they revealed the images of the rape and and so i was in the room for the first seminar where they showed us that shit and they filmed it and they said they were going to put it on the tv on they were were going to put it with the rape you know i used to watch that shit all the time no 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 what i'm saying is is that they filmed it and then the next day they did a second filming and the second filming ended up going on the dvd where they said the first filming was gonna and so i attended the first one thinking i was gonna be in the room for the one that everyone saw and then they ended up using the second take and and for good reason the second the second take was much better it was in a huge arena the first one was in the seminar room where there was only like 400 people in the room and quite honestly i I think i know why they scrapped that take because there was a little q a that happened and and eminem got brought up and they were talking about eminem for like 20 minutes and i think they didn't want to put that out so they did it over and they commanded the the conversation and kind of like it was a a more streamlined uh presentation of revealing those cards but um uh, that is interesting i would have to imagine that that means that footage exists somewhere 
Yeah, well, I'm sure it does. They have they have always had dudes with camcorders flanking the stage, oh, yeah. filming every fucking set they've ever done that I've seen. So yeah, they've they've got mad fucking footage. The other thing I wanted to say is that um, if you when you had Wayne on the show, shout out to Wayne because um you know he talked about being at the Wraith release party, which I also was at. So I saw him win that contest and shit. And um and and. and because when ICP was promoting the Wraith, it went on Howard Stern the very the morning of on you know November fifth. You know what I mean? Like the morning of the Wraith release, they went on Howard Stern, um, and and I and I have to correct y'all because you guys said it multiple times that the Wraith release party happened on the on November fifth. It actually happened the day before on November 4th, because that's my birthday. And, oh. and, I, and, and so the fact, not only the fact that ICP came to Boston to celebrate the Wraith, but they came to Boston and released the Wraith a day before it came out. So we all got a copy of it the day before the rest of the Juggalo world got their hands on it. And it was like a birthday present to me. But then then the next morning, they, they went from Boston to New York and they went on Howard Stern and there's this one comment that Jay makes that's so fucking telling because Howard obviously is a ball buster and you know he's like hey boys like how you doing da, da, da. And, you know I just remember Jay saying like man we we haven't been able to have any like I can't this isn't verbatim but he basically said like no we've always known what our next album is going to be and we haven't been able to do anything else because we have this thing like this, they were promoting the Wraith. You have to watch it to see what I mean. Like, I guess I get lost my train of thought, but it, it's just awesome how they accomplished what they set out to accomplish. Like a ten-year like legacy that that turned into a subculture where they didn't try to do it, but but it just kind of accidentally happens like we're you know what i mean like they didn't know they were gonna have this. so no all right then, well no i gotta bump on that a little bit because like 75 percent of icp's music is talking about juggalos fucking with other juggalos like the entire purpose of the music was to bring people together i just think that you're correct that it succeeded and well, well I, but you've heard Jay say that. No, I don't think they set out like we're gonna make a subculture. I think that that was something that uh, I don't know, man. happened. And then I think they, it, well, they, yeah, but that's my and point. Then they they, fought, they were, what they, they were, realized think, it was happening, and, and then, then they, they were like, "Fuck it, let's they go." Were, and then they were they're like intuitive to their fan base's needs, but I truly don't think that they were like, "We're gonna make." the kiss army or what like one of that like i think they every time if some, you're telling me that you don't think that i did i think around Jay has almost said as much i think around riddle boxes when they like like kind of started pushing that like you know what i mean like well uh, yeah but the idea well, of guys my, my whole like, point is that my guys my my only point is that they set out to put out six jokers cards they they made the last jokers card a two-parter and when they dropped Hell's Pit, it was like, mission accomplished, job done, where do we go from here? And nobody knew. And, and you know, so the, the, the calm, the tempest, the eye of the storm, none of that was received as highly regarded as any oh, of the no, first not even 
Oh, and right. by the yeah, way, so I also think that that void specifically is what created so many juggalo. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. I think that they fostered that because they were like, all right, this gives us room to breathe a little bit. Like, for sure. You know what I oh, mean? and by the way, here's the thing. Technically speaking, in a lot of ways, they are absolutely right to fucking sustain themselves in whatever ways they can on rappers that want to be part of that scene. Because if you're at a point where you want to be recognized in that scene, then you can only do it a certain number of different ways. So the, I, the, I think that they're right to get money out of people that want to pay to play. I'm not going to do it. But I think that the people that do want to do it, that there is value to that for the fact that this scene, I, again, I've had an industry A&R tell me straight up and down, you can survive on the Juggalo scene. Right. Like, if you do it correctly and you move properly, you can absolutely service that fan base and, like, make money. So it's just a matter of having the budget and the expenditure and the fucking uh, structure. But that's a different conversation. The point, though, is that I absolutely, 100% believe that they always intended to set up, that intended to create a fan base that was more than just the fan base. Right. And whether or not they intend, and by the way, they they did underground psycho, and they did these different kinds of things multiple different times. They tried to do it with MC Breed. They tried to do it with you know right. this person, In that 2005, person. Two thousand five. The fact of the matter is, they always were trying to create a subculture. Right. They were always trying. The problem is, is that it got to a point where not enough people that really took it seriously were willing to stay involved and you know that that's true because one of the only people that's really been able to do it on that level has been scum scum is able to consistently tour the country every single fucking year and he doesn't get consistently puts out good shit has a venue runs the shit well has a lot of different acts come through there like dude does his shit for real and whether i don't know that he considers himself an ICP fan. I have to imagine he probably is. I think that he's a juggalo. I, I like we probably have this conversation. We're always fucking high on something or drunk on something because he's one of the only people that can get me to drink. But my point is that he he is living proof that you can service the underground and again especially LSP's fan base isn't even all juggalos, but it's a fucking lot of them. And but that's proof that like there is longevity out there because there really are still that many juggalos out there it's just a matter of like putting it out there in a way where and it's it's just crazy that hell's pit did that the end of the fucking saga created this whole new culture that now they made new cards that a lot of us, for like for me, I'm straight up and down. It was only maybe, if I'm being generous, like a year and a half ago, that I really started listening to the second cards and really. Oh, bro, we went out on the fucking road together and argued half the way because probably. you, you would, probably yes, definitely. You were like, you fucking listen to anything I see Pui puts out, blah 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 blah. Then I was like, why don't you listen to this shit, motherfucker? And you were yeah, like, yeah, well, I had listened to it and it didn't fucking resonate. <laughs> What can I tell I, you? Hey, I, I'll, I'll interject and say, I, I think that I'll a lot of people to get there. Look, say, guys, there's, there's no, there's no doubt that there's a lot to offer in the Juggalo scene. But as far as psychopathic at the time, with, with ICP kind of like finishing their, their, their journey with the Joker's cards, and without 
telling us or even maybe knowing themselves what they're going to do next the label was fostering all these artists and it was like you know so you had your Esham and your ABK and then the next year they put out the super villains and and that was a hot second before and there was also if you recall uh Action Smash and UMZ which I remember when I went out there, Jay had told me like, hey, don't tell nobody this right now, but Axe and Smash was Zug Island, UMZ was MC Brady. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, both of those fucking folded. Like, neither of those were. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that he, I guess he was trying to impress upon me of just like, shit don't always work out doing this. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can try to make something work and it's just like, you don't hit that main vein. It don't always work out that way. And so my, my my opinion is showing up for shows and seeing like just being an observer okay not even like a participant like even though I was participating by being there I had noticed and that like an ICP show would draw the the most people and then I'd go to like an ABK show and it would be like a small ass crowd but you could tell that it was the juggalos that cared to come see those yeah. You were down, down. Mm-hmm. You were blazed right. down. So, you were down, down. But, there was a but, time Twisted so, was getting up there. We're, we're, we're running short on time, but like, I, I really feel like, uh, you know, things hey, started to fall. This was great. Things, things started to fall apart in little ways. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. like, oh, yeah. Well, like, like with the exiting of an artist. You didn't always know what the real reasons were. You guys talked about this in your previous episode, how when ABK left, he and, and then Esham left, and then they they all got like that Velstein, and because there were some disses on a on a track, I think it was, I think it might have been like called Rockstar. It might have been like that um, Cypress Hill remix. Yeah, and, uh, it was it so, was on the di- it was on the diamond cuts uh Lavelle. Yeah, so so it was, was it was like a big deal to people that that ABK was on a track that was dissing ICP after he had left the label. Even though the words didn't come out of ABK's mouth, he was on the track. So he was a hater along with you know whoever was taking shots. And I'm just saying that that kind of shit was very new because prior to this, it was all family it was all unity you know what i mean once once things started once people started leaving and then you saw okay well now you can either be like fuck you you're you're out or hey i'm going to continue to support you aka i'm supporting something that isn't psychopathic records like so you know what i mean um maybe it's more financially better to be independent because then you don't have psychopathic taking a slice of your cheese and and I think uh, I, mean, you know, it, it, I do believe that's true. Although I will say, I think that uh, Chapter Seventeen has proven that if you yeah, but we're to- talking about twenty years ago. I'm 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 exactly. talking. Yeah. All right. So, no, oh yeah, definitely. Okay. Oh man, I remember meeting somebody. That's because me now that- they realize that they have to concede to that kind of uh, business format because that's how it's gonna go. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you guys were talking yeah, about ABK last time. But over an artist to be like, you don't have the outlet to even release the music. So you're gonna take whatever pile of cash and deal we're gonna present for you that's gonna last for about 12 years. And then you're gonna paint up and smile and dance for 12 fucking years. You know what I mean? Like fucking build that fan base. 
and then probably skip the match and regret your words in <laughs> you know like oh, all yeah. that kind well, of thing every, every, every artist on psychopathic records had their own fucking thing twisted head magic blaze dead homie had colton grundy uh, like a label abk had native warriors like they, they all kind of were were given their the model their and that's why I don't know if you ever read Tom Dubb's book. I think I'm the only one in the world who read it at this point. <laughs> but fucking, I read his, I read Tom Dubb's book, and fucking, he said that they had some kind of mistreatment, but at the end of the day, everything was set up for their success. And it was encouraged, like, this is the plan for you guys to go do your own thing. And then they kind of got cold feet, and that fucked Tom Dubb over because he was like, he fucking like shaved Magic Ninja. Oh yeah, he, head, he got taken you know Magic Ninja I mean? tattooed on his head. And that's why not a lot, a lot of our heroes, uh, not the greatest people, because they kind of manipulate and use people for what they need at the time. Yeah, I remember uh, Wayne brought up. Uh, Wayne brought up pickles. Okay, he said, "My homie." Oh yeah, like, pickles. Yeah. So, so I, I met. Who I always used to see running around shows and shit, man. So it. In 2005, when when Blade did, did the Tombstone Terror tour, right, and it's his, it, it was his headline tour. I remember that one. Um, I saw it in Worcester, you know, and and then I I went to Florida and I saw it, that tour in Florida because my best friend lived in Florida. And after the show, we all went to Gandy Beach, which was like the after party spot for the Sarasota Juggalos or, or whatever. And, and and everyone was there. Blaze was there, Axe Murder Boys was there. Pickles was the tour manager. And I just remember like meeting Pickles and, and you know, it's 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 just like meeting Tom Dub. Like you're, you're, you're talking and, and, and rubbing elbows with someone who works for Psychopathic and which is like a cool thing, you know, it's, um, and, and I remember Pick, Pickles was kind of like talking about how Twisted had a tour that fell through and they had all these t-shirts that they printed and they just like threw them out. And he was like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just like print on the back or flip them and, and then resell them? And he was just like talking business, but he was talking it to, to some juggalos, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it was kind of the first time I ever actually gotten like a sneak peek at the, like behind the curtain where, where it's like, like even the people that are um, running the show are not all in agreement on the best way to run shows and to I mean, do business. And I don't know. Every and all of these shows, I always see Billy Bill fucking running around, uh, making sure shit is you know going the way it's supposed to. And I just appreciate that because you know motherfuckers that are like still boots on the ground. You know I'm I remember seeing at the Hell's Pit tour because I know TJ's got to go. Yeah. Um, and because you tried to make a little snarky fucking thing when I see because he said it was cool to talk to the tour manager and it was cool back in the day because you got to hear these people referenced on the track and then all of a sudden they were there. Like I remember yeah. Rude Boy being in the lobby at the Palladium yeah. at the Hell's Pit tour and I was asking him about the next JCW uh, the, uh, thing and then TJ he goes. Ah, uh, I don't know about that. Like, fucking, let me get the fuck out of here. Like, because that clearly was probably a big stress at the time because, like, there was supposed to be JCW. I, it, and then they ended up doing more JCW shit. 
but it was a little bit of a lull at that was, time. And by the way, it was a super weird thing around that period just because, number one, I'm going to be completely honest here. I don't know anything about the man specifically, but Pickle always looked like a creep. All yeah. right, straight up. They're down. all creepers. All these guys. All right, are fine. Well, then, then if you want to get at a nuance, then then like case fucking, I'm pretty sure everybody. Hey, have fine. you guys looked in the mirror? Exactly. Thank you, fucking beastmaster. Jesus Christ, we need some brevity. Yes, we're all creeps, man. With juggalos, that's why. Like, oh, there was a there was someone some talk of a restraining order at a juggalo show. Oh my lord, no way. But that that's the essence of being a juggalo, right? To be an outcast, to be the person that gets written yeah. off because of your looks, because you don't fit in with the rest of society, because you're walking this earth to the beat of your own drummer, and you have your own interests that are completely different than what the mainstream is into. Because if you were in the mainstream music in 2004, you were into some whack fucking music. Like, I couldn't even tell you what was popular yeah, in 2004. I, yeah. I, realized, I was listening to Necro and Ill Bill no, and I ICP. Say, you know, I like, realized that, like, my sensibilities in music are so, like, I know rap from my childhood and juggalo shit, and that's it. Yeah. Like, some, some metal, not much. I know the League Brothers. Well, on a side note, isn't it cool that Necro and Ill Bill have finally come back yeah, together, dude? Together? Yeah, no, I know, right? Dude, how, how, wow. And this album came out 19 years ago. Yeah. And th those... They had been were around. They really, were they working together back then? Like, oh, that, like no, yeah, they yeah. were working together that before was, that. When they were, dude, Necro was producing together. songs oh, for no, non like ninety-two. Like, was, my thing is, yeah. I didn't really know when they stopped. I guess is they stopped or right around. On the hour reprisal, there's a nasty song. It's the last oh, song yeah, in the album. The fucking... Tech Nine, Necro, fucking um, Homie from La Coca Nostra. That was the last song they did together. Fucking oh wow! And then yeah. but, like, okay, and so then then they had built. And I know you're a big fan, TJ. He didn't. I've even, been a fan not... that whole time. Like so, the whole time I've been fans of them, and and even paying attention to their interviews and stuff, they very vocally did not fuck with each other. Nope. Yeah, yeah. Necro was like, stop bringing it up. Ill Bill was like, look, he's my brother. I love him, but I ain't fucking with him. Like, they exactly. were mad at each yeah. other. <laughs> and by the way, I think that kind of makes sense. They, I have to imagine that they both have opposing dynamics where it's like, Necro, Necro got, got a million dollar. Necro got a million dollar deal for psychological in 2008 on his own. Ill Bill started a group called Nonfiction that was literally like changing the landscape of underground hip hop in a lot of different ways. And then I imagine the budding heads of that because Necro was fostering a literal like new sound oh, and sure. Ill Bill was too, but in a whole different fucking way. And like I way more Necro physical. was producing, Necro produced it, music for, for nonfiction. Yes. Yeah, and, 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 and other people in oh, New York, so too. So here's the other part, though, is that a lot of people forget this, that uh, MC Search was part of the creation of nonfiction. Uh, yes, he was. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that was a big part of, like, uh, nonfiction was, 
I contrived is the wrong but word. They, but they were all making it's like demo. slaughterhouse basically. That was around '94, and in, in a, prior to that, from like '1990. And, and, and I know that in Europe, nonfiction blew the fuck. fuck yeah, up. I know that and everywhere. But like they were making all uh, demos together. Uh, Necro, Gore-Tex, uh, and Can- uh, Cannibal. Ill Cannibal is what he used to call himself. And his cadence back then, and it was like, I be analyzing biorhythms, leaving people with incisions. Like, you know, fucking, it was so different. It's like, like early cage. Yeah. Also that way. Yeah, yeah well, he was biting bills like shit, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just, no, just, listen, bro, I think that it could be argued that at that point, whether or not anybody was biting, I don't think the cage not was fighting, but them. they, were, they all, were being influenced everyone, by each other, whether yeah, or not they would admit it. Yeah, that all of them. Were, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. A thousand percent, and especially because Cage was getting fucking what was getting plenty of fucking play back then. What are you saying, Beastie? Yeah, yeah no, I know we got to cut this. I know we got to. Yeah, no, I got I, I gotta go soon, so um, I, I want to say this: like, I, I I never attended the 2003 gathering or four, but like, I I really enjoyed. Um, seeing footage of Jay debuting lyrics from Hell's Yo, Kitchen. Yeah, like, yes, like, oh, shit, Crooked Preacher Kill. Yeah, yes, I, I remember that. I remember seeing yeah. that online. I watched it over and over again. That I'm not gonna yeah, yeah. I, I, I am not gonna lie and say that I was there for it. I'm trying to remember because I know I was at the gathering. I don't think I watched him do it. I might have. I feel like the kind of juggalo that I am, I would have. But I don't have the distinct memory, so I'm not going to claim like I was for sure there. He spit it a cappella and yeah. just when he was like I walked fucking... into a church dressed up as a, oh yeah, the, uh, oh yeah, no, bro, and everybody like, was watching right that shit like and started yanking it, and up. then everybody lost yeah, their exactly, fucking yeah. mind. I watched that clip so Ooh, many times. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And um, it's it just, it, bro. It's and this is one of the sad things where I'm glad that I was around for that era because it is so hard to to explain to people because like the way it is now, you can go to a gathering and you can see the shows and watch the videos and you can get into it and you can love it and it can mean something to you. But you're never gonna fucking know what it was like when you didn't know what was gonna happen next. I thought I was part of, and I kind of was. We all were in a cult movement. Yeah, you know what and I the mean. Outside like, world thought I we were in a cult movement. I, Do you know how many I, people talk I, about fucking that, that but there's gonna in be a my, mass suicide but in the gathering? It, but Twisted fucking talk. Can about we all it. agree that I felt that in my heart though, like the yes. Doc Carnival, like I like. Yo, it, I I want to say that um, if, if hell's Look, seriously, from the heart, Hell's Pit, and this is not to you guys, but to anyone listening, if Hell's Pit is your favorite Joker's card, I hope you get the therapy that you need. Yeah, you need, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> holy shit, factual yes. story. Yeah. Like, no, because because really cool. everybody's different. Everybody globs on to different oh, things. Oh, you don't and, even know. This now, is, uh, any I, anytime I meet a juggalo who tells me, "Oh, hell's pit, that's my shit," like I honestly I put a distance between me and that person because I don't need that kind of toxic. <laughs> no, they tend to be very no, you want to know yeah. what? I'm sorry, that's true. Because again, I cannot stress enough. You listen to that album all the way through, and you don't feel There's good. No reprieve. No, that There's was no, no listen. Salvation. No, and listen. You know? So when I got thrown it's out, it's not for us. They no, they don't the say the word juggalo one time on the album. Actually, that's no, what they so said. There was the the one thing I remember, or one of the few uh, important things that I remember, 
is right before I got flown out, I had read this uh, article from Fago that Fago Lovers posted that like some like in-depth dude really took the time and like uh, like a genuine music industry uh, critic listen to Hell's Pit. And the way that they described it was how you look at it for the most part in all of the stories no winners. Yeah, no. You lose every fucking time. Yeah. When the clowns are clowning, they're clowning, whatever. But when we're talking about, like, somebody is actually out there, or you gotta try to do something and succeed, nope, you fucking lose. Yeah. And I remember Jay, like, telling him about that, or asking him about it, and he said, you know what, I read that, and that was the only review that I've seen so far that he, that came close to getting it right. If not, he said that they did get it right. And I love the fact that, it, that there's always a message there. And Jay, like Jay and Shaggy have always been really clear about that. Like there is something fucking in there. Yeah. You know always. what I'm saying? Yeah. And I appreciate that Hell's Pit is one of these kinds of things where, again, I TJ, I, I love you for that because that was so on point. It's like if Hell's Pit is your favorite Joker's card, I love you, but I hope you get the therapy you need. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. That's the that is the truer words never spoken. I feel like we should even close on that. Yeah. So like TJ, <laughs> I bro, I cannot thank you enough. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I, we will obviously do this again at some point. I don't know which album specifically. I also want to hey, go on I mean, record as saying. I want to go on I'm record down. as saying Eaters of the Dead is dope as fuck. All right, that's a good song. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's hell yeah. Track. You got you guys are both on my album. You, you guys, <laughs> you guys are. Both. <laughs> oh yeah. No, and again, yeah, I will yeah. not readily say that every track that I've done, like a collab for somebody, has been good. I've been oh, on, yo, we all, I've been on some real stinkers. We all did. But a, Eaters uh, of the Dead is really good. That track we all did back in the day, uh, Potential Dimensions. Yes, I remember that. I don't remember my lyrics, but I do remember that. I remember song. a lot of ecstasy at TJ's house. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> oh Look, we God. we can talk for hours about that, but that oh, that's a further that's a further era ahead. You know, I yeah, 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 yeah. So we're gonna get back to that. Now, listen, brother, much love and. Uh, Thank you again, everybody, for stopping through uh, at the fucking Carnival Grounds again. And uh, as always, you know that if you're at the Carnival Grounds, what you have to do at the end of the episode is scoop the loop. And fold that flop. And always remember to fuck the fuck off, motherfuckers. Yes. (laughs) Always remember to fuck off. And I will see y'all motherfuckers again.